During its 2018 season, the Bardavan is presenting Mummenschanz, the Swiss mask theater troupe that uses masks, light, shadows, and choreography to entertain every age. In this episode, we are lucky enough to be speaking with one of the original founders of Mummenschanz and current artistic director, Floriana Frazetto. For more than 40 years, Mummenschanz has entertained international audiences with their unique, interactive, and often hilarious pop-oriented mime, all done without music or sound. Besides touring the world, Mum and Shans has performed on Broadway and have been special guests on Sesame Street, The Muppet Show, and in an award-winning music video for Devil's Ball by Double featuring horns with Herb Albert. Mum and Shans is currently on tour with its production of You and Me, and I would like to welcome Floriana Frazetto to Backstage with the Bardavan. She and I are lucky enough to be sitting on the stage of this historic theater, and it's quite a sight, isn't it? Welcome. So um, give me a brief description of Mum and Chance. Is it dance? Is it comedy? Is it theater? Is it mime? Mum and Chance uh, is um, a world of its own. In the 70s, we found a language of our own, which had a little bit of uh, mime, which had a little bit of commedia dell'arte, more than mime, actually. It has very little dance. I do respect dance in the sense that I wouldn't... Like some of them modern dancers that sit and then uh, change their leg positions, call it dance, no. Moomin Chance is uh, more like a cartoon-like, humanizing an object, an animal... Uh, It's very important to identify yourself so that you can convey and communicate to the audience that comes empty-handed to share our world, and they can imagine and invent themselves. It's a world of fantasy. It's a world of freedom. It's a world of ironic criticism of the miscommunication between man and woman or between men in general. Uh, We were the first ones to get into these abstract shapes and humanize them in such a way that you could feel the character and understand and invent your own story. Now, originally in 1972, you and is Andre Bassard? Yes. And uh, Bernie Skirch? No. Schurch. Schurch. Um, uh, he always said church with an S in front. Schurch. When they gave their performance, they incorporated speech. Is that correct? And uh, then, that was before 72. In 72, we took all the spoken language out because they had a few, in the 70s, therefore, a few sketches that were spoken in French, beautiful language, but as soon as you translate it into English, the rhythm of the language is different, so it didn't work. So I advised, my coming in was in 71, so I advised that we first take away the spoken part and become mute, um, interact with the audience, 
And so we did, and then 73 we came to this country, and it was like a, an explosion, a beauty explosion, <laughs> because Americans went wild with what we were doing. How did you get the ideas for your characters? You know, to have an idea, I think it's an accumulation. Um, it doesn't happen when you want it to happen. All of a sudden, it's there. It could be that you find an object. It could be that you've had a dream. It could be that you read a book. Um, yeah, all of a sudden you have the idea, then you construct the shape or the mask, and then you improvise hours on end until you make sense, you convey uh, the theme, uh, in a clear way, in a simple way, so that it can be understood from Poughkeepsie to Chile. <laughs> <laughs> then, um, what was the inspiration for your for the current production of You and Me? Well, when Bernie decided to leave me five years ago, I was tempted to close down with him and just end Woman Chance, maybe sell it to Disney. And then I said, eh, no, Disney. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was compelled, you know, my husband had just passed on, um, my friend, not my husband, but my daughter has her own life, which is not the theater. And so... I said to myself, well, moment chance, after all, it's been 40 years, it's my life, I love it, I, I'm an artisan, I love to build the props and the costumes and the shapes, and I love to draw, and I love, I love moment chance. So, yeah, I started putting together some ideas, some that I had a already before, and some that were new, like the violin. I had just been to visit my father, which was who was living on the Canal Grande in Venice, and we always listened together to classic music, to violin music, and then I was closing my eyes, and he was telling me, relax, right? He was 98, <laughs> telling me to relax, okay? So I was relaxing, I closed my eyes, and then I imagined this viola and violin kind of pizzicato love fight, you know? So that's one idea that came along. That's very romantic. Yes, well, I'm a stupid romantic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The um, from seventy seven to eighty one, you you were on Broadway, yes. at the Bijou Theater. Yeah. What did you think of American audiences? I've always loved American audiences because they are ingenue, they are very spontaneous, they're very childlike. They bring out without shame their childlike playfulness which other nations and other cultures might be a little more intimidated to do. Um, so I love American audiences. My favorite, I guess, my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> what about adults versus children, American adults versus children? Because you do a lot of student shows and 
school shows. No, we don't. We're not a kiddie show. No, I know, but there, you had a, there were a lot of children here today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were, but we're not a kiddie show. We're a family show, for sure, from four to 104. Um, but they were great this morning. Both shows, they were really very playful and saying out loud what they saw and what they discovered and what they liked and ohs and ahs. It was great. And as a performer, do you learn from the audience? Oh, absolutely. You pick up a new rhythm. You pick up a, a better solution. You know, it's great. It's wonderful. It uh, The fact that we don't have music gives us an incredible freedom to get on with it, to, yeah, continue to improvise and to improve, get better. And after 140 shows, which we have done between last year and this year, um, I must say the improvement is, is outstanding. One of the things I noticed when I was watching some of the YouTube videos is that it seems as if the laughter of the audience and the clapping and the wonder becomes the soundtrack. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. It becomes the soundtrack and uh, it gives us the rhythm, it gives us the pacing. It's We're all ears to hear that and if there if there isn't that, it's very frustrating. But usually there is. Except if you perform maybe for 50 bankers <laughs> and their wives were not invited. Because women are really very fast at opening up and letting their amusing part come out. <laughs> and children too, right? And children too, absolutely. Um, I'd like to ask you about... the about some of your trademark characters yeah. and the origination of them? Because to me, they're so fascinating, and I really mm. wanted to pick your brain. Um, how did you come up with the idea of the pleated pipes? Allora, the pleated pipes. We had a, a, a non-pleated pipe first, which was foam rubber, and then we were often invited to the circus in Switzerland, Circus Knie, which is one of the most beautiful, I think now, the one and only beautiful circus left. Um, and they used um, for heating and um, cooling these pipes. And then we saw it, and then we looked for it, and then we tried it. We had to wash it very well because it had some kind of um, special whatever goo. <laughs> which wasn't exactly pleasing on the skin, but we did that. And then that started in 72 with these uh, foldable pipes. And then in, in the 80s, we did a character with those fold, foldable pipes, which is black and white, which I used to perform. And it's the number that has been most copied. That's that's what I. It's magnificent. Yes, it's magnificent, and it's not magnificent the way the others do it. But what do you want? <laughs> what about the pillow heads? How did you come up with those? With the your your the octopus man. How did you come up with the octopus man? The octopus man. The octopus man. Well, we always have loved uh, 
the underwater sea world and so we wanted to try an octopus first we did a colored one and then we came back to the traditional black and white and it had a head but the head got cut off because it wasn't working and then it became what it was going to be which is a beautiful sketch and what about my favorite the toilet paper people <laughs> is that what they're called what do you call them the toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, the toilet paper. That was a spoken number at first, but it made absolute sense in French, which is a beautiful language. Um, in which it said that all the toilet rolls in the world were rolled the wrong way, and so it asked the audience to for help, so that they could unroll it. But which one was the right way? So there was this absurdity, you know. Um, but as soon as you would translate it in German or in English, it didn't work. So we didn't have money to have an atelier. We had uh, we were in the room of the father of Andres, who gave us uh, a little room in his studio. And there we went to the thrift shop and bought some fencing masks, masks um, that Bernie, who was very good with wire, converted so that there would be the two eye, the nose and the mouth, and the ear support. Yeah, we were, Bernie and I were the constructors. Andres was the talker. He would take care <laughs> of the interviews of the talking. He was a great talker. He was a cabaret artist, you know, so he missed, in a way, talking. But he was also our acrobat. He was wonderful. In fact, we were all wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Do you use special toilet paper? Oh, we did, yes, yes. Uh, it was actually Swiss toilet paper, Hackle, because the perforation was hard enough so it wouldn't tear. So you could, when he pulled to cry, it wouldn't tear. Otherwise, you would lose the effect, you know? Yeah, so it was very special. So you'd have to bring that with you wherever you went. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> and when we got to this country, every time they would say, why are you bringing European toilet paper? We have toilet paper in America. And we said, we know that you have the best toilet paper in America. But then we tried to explain and then we tried to illustrate the sketch, and then we would convince them, and then they would let us bring it, you know. <laughs> Have you ever had any mishaps in transporting your props? Have you ever lost them? Have they ever been damaged along the way? The worst was when we went to Egypt the third time. We, we uh, inaugurated the opera of Cairo, in the 80s. Then in 85 we went back and then in 1999 we got invited by the Swiss embassy and the director of the of the opera house to go to Cairo because it was time that we go back. So we go back and the Swiss embassy was on top of the of the cargo they were at the airport probably with their money also to pay give a little 
you know, cash left and right. Um, they opened everything, everything. They counted how many panties and socks. They marked everything with a brown felt pen. They wrote Mohammed. Trey. There were these two big white eyes, so there, with the iris in the middle, and they wrote Mohammed. You know, I was ready for a war. I can imagine. <laughs> I was, I was screaming to the top of me. I could have strangled anyone that came my way. I was very upset. Anyway, we did the show. It was worthwhile. Yeah, it was worthwhile. Frankly, I never want to go back. Mm. Have you ever been in, in a country when there's been a political unrest? Have you ever found yourself swept up we in that? We have been uh, in Santiago de Chile when there was uh, Pinochet. No, who was it? Alpha in 79. And we would have to rush from the theater to the hotel after the show because you were not allowed to walk in the streets. But nonetheless, we won a prize. Nonetheless, we made people happy. We brought them a little inner smile, which is always important. You know, I mean, which country would I not go to? Anywhere. If I can awaken that child and that playfulness in the audience, you know? And it's happened in Tehran, which was to cry for. To cry for, it was so strong. Um, South Africa, with the Africans looking like <laughs> children, you know, it was beautiful. It's it's been it's been beautiful. Yeah. Are you still performing, or are you just a creative director? No, no, no. I'm still performing. Performing. And what is your favorite character that you perform? <sighs> They're all my favorite. No, characters. no, no. Come on, I'm not letting you off. <laughs> no, 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 no. They're all my favorite characters. Now I'm kind of a little bit de developing something that is very difficult, which is I have um, uh, net, uh, a net mask, uh, which is full of glue, and then I have a piece of a square fabric, which is also full of glue, and by bending it, I make faces. <sighs> very difficult. But I'm getting there slowly after a hundred shows. Eh? Starting to find, yeah, and that's the challenge. Do you create on the road, or you just no. wait till you go back to no. Switzerland, and that's where yes. you do your creations? Absolutely, mm -hmm. in my house, in my atelier. You know, I have windows all over. It looks to a garden. Now we are hours on end in the car. Yeah, that's the uglier part of it. Um, in these days of technology, what lesson do you think Mum and Chance is teaching to society or children? I don't think we're teaching children? absolutely nothing, but we are just uh, reminding everyone that there are emotions. There is love, there is hate, there is fear. There are emotions, and people like prefer to feel them than to see them on that rectangular piece of... Point, 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 point. You can imagine the rest. <laughs> you mentioned, you know, that your audience feels love and they feel happiness and sadness. Do do your sketches have a theme? 
each one have a specific theme? Yes, each one has a specific theme in which there are these emotions, you know. And they must be simple enough so that everyone can identify to them worldwide. I was going to say universally. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I asked you this question. You call yourself the musician of silence. Yeah. What does that mean? What does that mean to you? It means that we have no music. It means that in a silent world we provoke in you guys and your reactions a music with which we play. That's what it means to me. What about the power of silence? Isn't that a very powerful tool? It's beautiful, yes, it is. Indeed. <laughs> you know, it's today... Um, when we arrived at the theater, we saw that they were uh, they were loading some children on with handicaps. Yeah. How does how do your um, actors or players interface with children with disabilities? You know, I don't I don't see them. I don't hear them. I I play for them. We play for them the way we would play for any child. I don't think it's interesting in any way to treat them differently you know they might have just a different pacing but they also have humor poetic values romantic values passion they have it all they just make it the way it comes out it sounds a little bit different but it's beautiful in, in 2014, I've noticed that you added some new members of the troupe. Yeah. Um, can we talk a little bit about them? Sure. Who they are and what their jobs are. Um, um, Eric Soge. Soge. He's from Switzerland, and he is my technical director. He has created the lights, of course, with a bit of um, requests that I had explaining to him what I wanted with these sketches. Uh, and he's from Aigle, which is uh, in the Swiss Romande, uh, yeah, in the French part of Switzerland. Yeah. And um, Sarah Her Hermann? Sarah Francesca Hermann. She's from the mountains. She Of Switzerland? Of Switzerland, yeah. Mm -hmm. They're all Swiss. They're we all are Swiss? all Swiss, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I discovered her many years ago when I was the president of Mani Award for theater students. Uh, she came two times in a row, uh, and I found her very good, so she got that award, so she could continue to study and not have to find a job and study at the same time. Um, so I always wanted to work with her since years. And finally, I convinced her. <laughs> um, I bet she's glad you did. Yes, I think so. Um, Krista, I found in the Dimitri School, which is a, a well-known clown, uh, who passed on a year ago, unfortunately, um, who had a beautiful school, who still has, I mean, still exists. Um, 
Yeah, and I auditioned her because I had auditioned three other women that I didn't feel fit for what I was looking for. And so uh, I was happy with Krista. I also, excuse me, I also wanted someone who could make himself very, very small, which he can, an acrobat, which he is, so I'm very happy. Kevin also comes from the same school. Kevin Blazer, he's uh, also an acrobat. He's a musician, percussionist. Um, uh, Is he the one that does the cymbal? Yes, he's the cymbal. That's his baby. And, um, yeah, wonderful performer. Oliver, I found through from a colleague uh, with whom I had worked, and um, we needed someone to replace Bernie. And so Oliver came along, and uh, very talented and very nice. And he did the same school as Sarah. So they did this theatrical school, which is very much uh, Lecoq-oriented in Zurich, while Krista and um, Kevin did the school of, uh, of Dimitri, which is more, um, not Marcel Marceau, but that's where Marcel Marceau studied De Croix, yeah, more De Croix-oriented. It's interesting that they all seem to have backgrounds in physical theater. Yeah. And I've never in the United States you would never find anything like that. Yeah. You know, you'd find musical theater or yeah. you'd find um, acrobatics or gymnastics, right. but right. never physical theater. My pain's uh, incredible. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So in addition to performing, there are a couple of other things that Moment Chance does, and one is the mask workshop. Yeah. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that? That looks fascinating. Yeah. Well, I love to... I, f I have the feeling that every person is creative. I, I don't have the feeling. I know that every person is creative. So when I do these workshops, and I, it's my thing, so I do it, I bring um, 20, 30, depending how many people, students I have, uh, jerry cans, Water cans um, and some scrap material like threads, no, not threads, uh, ropes, uh, plastic, drinking cups, coffee cups for eyes, little balls, eggs for Easter that you can use, uh, or half you can make an eye of, and then I put everything in the uh, I display everything, and then each one chooses how he wants to create his character. Then we work together, and of course I'm there to help about an hour, and after that we do, and each one does his own character. There's no one, there's no two masks that are the same. And so after we do a, a warm-up, and then I give them very basic themes, like uh, expecting someone at the train station who doesn't arrive. And so then we start a series of improvisations. And it's to die. To die with laughter. 
I'm telling you. And you know, some of the funniest are the mentally retarded. They are much slower in working on their masks because their ability with the hands is a little different. But with the necessary help, the improvisations are extraordinary. And the ages are, was it 8 to 99 that you're taking these classes? absolutely. And my co-producer over there wanted to know whether you'd consider doing that in the United States because he doesn't want to go to Switzerland. Oh, you have? Oh, yeah. Really? I thought it was just in Switzerland. Oh, no, I do it all over the world. I've done it in Mexico. I didn't do it in Tehran, not this time, but I did do it in Israel and many countries, yeah. And what is in India? What is interesting is that you feel how people bring also their culture into the creative process. You know, like in South America, mostly the young ones would do sons and more sons and more sons. In India, they did Ganesh, the elephant. (laughs) So it was interesting. You know, I told them, you're free to do what you want, but that's what they could identify with, you know? No, it's. I love to do it. I think it's a lot of fun. They enjoy it because it's playing. And who doesn't deserve to play a little bit more than what we do, no? Have you done them here in the U.S.? Oh, yeah. yeah. I've done. Not this time. Because I do like to know, you know, in advance so I can bring everything. I don't, you know, on this tight tour which we are, eight hours in a car one day, ten hours another day. Then you get to the hotel, and sometimes you're lucky and you get there a day before, sometimes not. The day the next day you perform. Sometimes you leave after the show and perform the next morning. So, you know, I would like to bring everything from Switzerland and not have to worry. I have to go to Joanne, I have to go here, I have to go... Uh, how long is the current, your current tour? It started end of uh, January and will finish end of April. So you're midway. Yeah. Where's your next stop after Poughkeepsie? Very good question. <laughs> <laughs> I think we are in Jersey. Oh, that's not too far. No, no, that's it's really an hour and a half far. drive. That's not too far. And you'll yeah. be doing a few performances there? No, just, just one. Just one. Um, also, I was really thrilled to see that Mom and Chance has a foundation. Yeah. Maybe you could tell me a little bit about that. I'm assuming it's for students inspiring their creativity. That's how it started. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how much we have inspired. But <laughs> <laughs> we try to help younger students, for sure, yeah. And it's uh, students... In Switzerland or around the world? No, no, in, in Switzerland, and it's uh, mostly uh, visual theater, mm-hmm. you know, a bit down our line. Well, I really appreciate you spending time with us today. Thank you. It's been really a pleasure, and thank I, you. I know that Mom and Chance puts a smile on everyone's face uh-huh. and will continue to do so through your creativity. Let's hope. We'll try. And thank you for coming to Poughkeepsie. I know we're a regular stop for you. Uh, Poughkeepsie was heavenly blessed because we were able to rehearse the new show here and stay 
be here for one month. So we were working in the theater 12 hours a day. Oh, when yeah. was when was this? This was September, not last September, this previous September. 2016. Yes. You were here for a month. Yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. We're glad we contributed to your creativity. Yeah, definitely. And, and to your success. Beautiful, to, it's a beautiful valley, and beautiful people, beautiful operation, which is done. You can feel the love breathing out the walls in this theater. <laughs> I hope you, you, well, you were here at the best time of year, which was September, which yes. is a beautiful time. Yes. Did you get to walk up in the walkway? Yes. Wasn't that spectacular? Very spectacular. I was very happy we took one day off to do that. Well, it was worthwhile, I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, <laughs> thank you. Flo, and thank you. you're welcome back anytime. Thank you very much. <laughs> I will come back. No worries. Thank you. Thanks again to Floriano Frazetto, Mom and Chance, and the Bardavon 1869 Opera House for hosting our Backstage with the Bardavon podcast. Backstage with the Bardavon is produced by Patrick Watson and Jody Millman. Sound engineering and editing is by Ben Harris. Thanks again for listening, and see you next time, Backstage with the Bardavon. <laughs>